Welcome to The Things We Say. I'm Sheldon. And I'm Nate. This is a topical podcast where the topics are chosen at random. Sometimes they will be profound, and sometimes they will be stupid. But no matter what, we have a lot to say about them. We are known for the things we do. We become the things we think. We live the things we believe. These are the things we say. And we're back on the things we say. I'm Sheldon. And I'm Nate. And I am glad that we are finally back doing this. Uh, We are very passionate about tonight's topic, or at least getting a chance to discuss it. Because we have magnificently avoided it so far. (laughs) (laughs) Intentionally. In all our rambling discourse, we have not touched on this one yet. So here you go. Um, I'm honored to bring our guest onto the show this week, uh, Scott Johnson. Go ahead and introduce him. Hey, guys. (laughs) Great to be here. This is going to be a lot of fun. (laughs) You have such a wonderful reputation. (laughs) We do. Uh, We have a reputation for at least speaking our minds. So I'd like to just reframe for the audience a little bit what the things we say is, and that is we like to discuss a lot of different topics that may be, you know, Uh, on the fringe or in the mainstream, it doesn't matter, but these are just the things that we're talking about right now. Uh, We thought about doing an episode at some point and go back through the number of things where our opinion or position has changed over the last two, three years, Yes, because there's been a number of them. Yes. Um, one I can think of right off the top of my head, I, we did a Christmas episode <laughs> in which I was pretty hard on the whole holiday of Christmas. And uh, I've come pretty well full circle on that, I would say. Um, I'm not quite to Pastor Nathan's no. level. <laughs> no, nobody is to his <laughs> no. level. Like my Absolutely blood is nobody. not red and green. So, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I've come pretty far on that. And I've I, we've changed our position on a few things. So as we're discussing things tonight, I just want people to realize um, in, in this, we're going to try not to talk like pastors. We're just going to talk like guys in a room together would just sitting around because we're guys in a room, right? Right. Now. Well, that's just good, messing I, around with this. I topic. am not a pastor. So yeah, that's, go. that is good. <laughs> that's good. And that's, we want, I wanted you to feel comfortable to just express anything. It's not like, well, if they believe something different, I'm wrong. That's not what, that's right. not how I would no. want you to feel. At all. Yeah. Okay. No worries. And all right. I have, before we get started on this though, I have a, did you know? Oh, good. Because this one is one that I didn't even go looking for on purpose. Uh, I went looking for the subject of this, did you know, and discovered something that I had no idea about. Did you know that Anderson Cooper is a Vanderbilt? As in the Vanderbilts. Oh, the, oh. Yeah. No. His mother is Gloria Vanderbilt and he is a part of the Vanderbilt family. Huh. Yeah. So... For those of you who think of Anderson Cooper as somebody who's hip, young, and new, he's a part of, of one the of the, the literally the, uh, the, the backbone on one side, depending on how you think, and the corrupt on one side, depending on how you think, base of what you consider American capitalism to be icky or good about. He is, An he is as establishment as you can possibly get in the United States. Oh, he's been around forever. Yeah. yeah. He's, not, he's not new he's, in the same time. He's, he's literally... Uh, the closest you get to American nobility. He's one of them. <laughs> I did not know that. I did not either and didn't care, but I found it. So I'm like, that's ah, interesting. Most people probably don't know that. So there you go. 
Yeah. Anderson Cooper my, Vanderbilt. My did you know for tonight was going to be in honor of Clay Thompson's return to the NBA. Hit it. In a 2019 game, Clay Thompson of the Golden State Warriors scored 43 points and dribbled the ball a total of four times. Oh, I believe it. <laughs> scored 43 points I and put the it. ball down to the ground four times. Yeah. That's catch and shoot at its yeah. finest. Yeah, he is... He's something else. I'm. I still have a little bit of bitterness towards the Warriors, but it's mostly towards Steph Curry. Yes. Right. So we can let that go. We've talked about that enough at length. And I, I don't. I'm sorry. I did, I did not prepare for a did yeah, you know. So. No. No. It's all right. It's, it's okay. Normally Sheldon's the only one that does them. I just had that one and I've been sitting on it for a couple of weeks and I'm like, yeah, I need to. I need to throw that one out there. It's good. So there it is. So, but that's not why we're here. That's not why we're here. <laughs> why are we here, um, Sheldon? So one of the things that prompted this was a um, couple. Nights ago, Scott and I were in a meeting and he's like, I have a whole list of things that people don't talk about in church very much at all. And I was like, what's on your list? I'm so fascinated (laughs) about what people don't talk about in church. And you can maybe just run down. We might touch on one or two of those topics tonight. But uh, what was what was some of the things that you told me that were on your list? Honestly, there's there's a bunch of them. And, you know, when I say it's the things we never talk about in church, I, I think of the kinds of things we, we never talk about socially. You know, we're, you know we participate in groups and uh, those types of things. And, you know, the subjects that I listed are, we just never even get into that during group discussions. And I think mm. it's so important. And, you know, topics like heaven. And we know all about heaven, but to go into the details, what, what is heaven really like? Mm-hmm. What are we going to be like? What do we look like? Are our pets there? Just really fun <laughs> yeah. stuff. Yeah. Right. Really fun stuff to get into. Or you get into, you know, end times or you get into, um, you know, the biblical timeline, you know, when we go into the end times. There's so much detail there and it's so interesting to talk about and it's it's really fun. Yeah. And, you know, for us as followers, this is just this is great stuff. Yeah. It's exciting. It's good news. But we're afraid to talk about it. Yeah. Or we just never get to it. And I just think those things are, are, are so important to get into. Yeah. Right. So when you told me about the podcast, I'm like, oh, it's perfect. <laughs> yeah. you know, this is perfect. And just sitting and hang out with these guys and talk about whatever I want to talk yeah. about. Right. So. And I was like, there's maybe some things that we can't touch on in 20 minutes no. speaking, speaking to a church audience. But right. if you want to sit down and hash some of these things out, we're happy to discuss it. Like, yeah. that'd yeah. be great. Yeah. So uh, I would say on this podcast, pretty much anything is fair game. We haven't, other than political conversations, and we've even steered into a few of those. Um, but yeah, I, I'm comfortable saying just about anything on here, which yeah. is rather dangerous. Yes, but. <laughs> that's right. That's, and again, that's why we haven't always done a podcast. Sometimes we just need to sit and rant to each other. And we've done that many a time that's instead okay. of podcasting. But uh, yeah, yeah. This is this is one of those topics that's interesting for me. Several of the things that you mentioned is because, um, and we've discussed it on here before. But the Church of the Nazarene, in particular, uh, coming from Wesley and Wesley having this uh, uh, very much a look from Anglicanism as how he viewed the church and how he viewed theology and doctrine. Um, what we often talk about is the via media, which is the middle way. Um, and in Anglicanism, that was a middle way between Catholicism and Protestantism and saying, yes, you guys are both right about some things. And, and there's it's not an extreme either or it's it's somewhere in the middle, um, or at least there's a pendulum tension between these things. Um, and so being raised in that tradition, a lot of these things, there is a lot of room for interpretation. Uh, let's say it's particularly within the Nazarene church, because that's the denomination we're currently a part of. Um, it is a big, big umbrella 
where you can have people from very different eschatological backgrounds and different. Um, I forget what was the other thing you mentioned. My brain just about heaven. heaven. Yeah, and talking about heaven and what right. that looks like. Uh, there's a really wide umbrella and even origins. So right. like Genesis. Right. And yeah. so all of this stuff, while it not saying it's up for debate, uh, we've not taken hard line stances on things other than to say, like, yes, we know Jesus is going to come again and judge the living and the dead. You know, yes, we believe that God is the creator of all things like things that are biblically like we can hang our hat on this. And some of the detail is detail that we can't be sure of. And so right. uh, we decided not to major on the minors, as it were. So I've spent a lot of my time having these discussions with people, doing my own research and stuff over the years. Um, and so I'm again, I'm really intrigued to see uh, kind of where we land, because Sheldon and I have discussed this some, but not at right. great length. And. I would just say the Nazarene church as a whole has influences from also Pentecostalism yeah. from uh, like uh, what you would consider like fundamentalism. Um, there's, there's a few of those influences, obviously Methodism and few others, but uh, there's a lot of flavors yes. in our, in our church. So you can find premillennialist, postmillennialist, you can find dispensationalists, you can find, what are you talking uh, about lists? Yeah. yeah. And, or, or like my dad, he, he calls himself a pan millennialist and that it's all going to pan out. <laughs> um, so <laughs> that's, I, I was, I, I was raised Mennonite and there's a whole, um, they, the foundings of the Mennonite church, they, they were very much considering that they were in the end times. And all that was happening was a reformation. <laughs> right. But it, it was, they were very much thought that this was the end of days um, and way back in 1600. Yeah. So the, that's, that's kind of the, the vein that I grew up in. And my, there was people that influenced me that were definitely dispensationalists. And yeah. so when uh, Left Behind and all of that stuff came out, like I, I had the books, read the books um, watched a few of the movies until they were just really way off the reservation. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so the like, books were good. Yeah. And so I was like, I don't know that stuff always seemed a little scary and it did color how I read revelation. Mm. Um, but just a little bit of background for today, me and Nate are on the shred, which means we're trying to read through the whole Bible in a month. Yeah. And it's, it's an insane way to read the Bible, but it is a lot of fun. And we skipped ahead to the last part today. So we read all of Revelation today. Yep. Um, and so all of for, uh, third, everything from third Peter on. Yeah. Is, is pretty much what we read yeah, today. Yeah, we covered so, that. <laughs> so it was a lot. So I, I think what's interesting, you know, with somebody like me, is because I don't have your backgrounds. Yeah. And like a whole bunch of stuff you're just talking about. I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> but, but, but I think I bet that's you good. do, but you don't have a term for it. <laughs> but, but because I'm not a pastor... I'm just bringing the perspective of a follower. I'm yeah. just a church member. Yeah. And when something taps my interest, what I tend to do is, you know, I'll, I'll go deep. I'll study. For sure. I'll do my research. And I just start asking folks like you. I'll start asking questions. And eventually I do start forming an opinion. Right. And, you know, I put all that time into coming up with an opinion I want to tell somebody. For sure. And people just don't want to talk yeah. about it. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think that these topics are, are are always difficult for people because one, it exposes that they maybe haven't thought about it at all. Right. And nobody likes that. Nobody likes to be like confronted with something that's like, never considered that, but I don't want to seem like an idiot, so 
And also, there's yeah. a ton of fear wrapped up around end times things. Yeah, I, there, I there think is. like the Thief in the Night movies and things like oh, that. Yeah. Like, Had a lot to do. There's with a it. lot of fear, and there's been a lot of churches over the years that have used uh, the end times as a way to scare people into the kingdom. Uh, like hellfire and brimstone preaching centered around revelation and it just, it scares people. And, and I was just talking to someone today and and telling them what we were going to be talking about on the podcast. And they're like, yeah, I'm probably going to skip that one because like that, that's all very scary to me. And these are, these are Christian people that live for the Lord and the whole thing bothers them. And I was talking to my wife and she's like the whole thing of that secret rapture of the saints that is really freaky to her. Like it has never been a comforting thing. Mm-hmm. It's always been scary. And, um, and honestly, I, I, that's not what I believe. I don't yeah. believe in a rapture of the church. Um, and I just thought before we dive in too deep, I can give you a few things that are not in revelation. I'll just run down through them and then, um, we'll get into what you want to say. And first um, of all, let's, let's say one thing. Yeah. Sheldon and I, because you referenced the the pastor fact, and one of the things I appreciate so much about you, Scott, and we right. actually discussed this, is the, the level of respect that you have for the fact that we're both pastors. I mean, right. the yeah. instant we had any right. kind of uh, credentialed credibility, even me, like before I was anything, I wasn't even studying for anything, right. you referred to me as pastor. But I do want to say, in this room right now, we're just us. Yeah, we're, I'm Nate. We're all, this is Sheldon. <laughs> I you're Scott, you pastor. and we're I'm good. With you. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> no, it's not even that. It's not even that I, because again, I, but I want you to understand, like we're not saying anything from an authoritative place. Right. For us, we've done the exact same things that you have done. Right. Um, because we have not necessarily been a part of a tradition that had a hardline stance on some of these yep. things we have been able to form our own opinions. So, and I've moved around a lot on this. Yes. So I, it's in As no ways I. settled yeah. As in, in my book. Um, I want to comment real quick sure. on, some, on, yeah. on something you said, and I totally agree. When I talk to people, and, and I mention the term end times, yeah. you, right. you see, and these are followers, you see the fear. You yeah. really do. Yeah. And you know, I really think most people are under the impression that it's the end of the world. It's not the end of the world. <laughs> right. It just, that doesn't happen. Right. So, you know, but people think that they think apocalypse, that's, that's it. You yeah. know, it's all over. Yeah. And it's nothing like that. Yeah. And, but people just don't understand it and they don't want to talk about it to even try and gain an understanding. Yeah. Right. That's why this is a cool format. Yeah, I agree. I yeah. agree. And I agree with everything we just said. So <laughs> how's that? A uh, couple of things that are not in the book of Revelation, in case anybody has fear tied up in this. I want to start removing some layers of fear from people. <laughs> things that are not in the book of Revelation. The rapture, a secret rapture where Christians are just taken out of this world. The restoration of a political Israel. A seven-year tribulation. The rebuilding of the temple. The reign of the Antichrist. Two returns of Christ. The restoration of a sacrificial system or two different covenant people. Yeah. None of that exists in the book of Revelation. So it's all it's all read into it. Um, so if you've been taught something that entails those things, they're getting it from somewhere else. <laughs> so uh, just want to remove some layers from you and say, ah, I can now read back through the book of Revelation. The other thing about reading Revelation the Bible is best interpreted in the context of Scripture. Mm-hmm. Scripture is the best interpretation for Scripture. For 
the the Old Testament uh, the Old Testament is referred to in Revelation over 500 times, which is amazing to be able to do in 400 some odd verses. <laughs> so it the 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 Book of Revelation is often referring to very specific prophetic uh, molds that were in the Old Testament that have already been spoken of and defined in in the Old Testament. Yeah. So um, even even most of the symbolism is not unique to to the book of Revelation. Uh, the other thing that may be helpful to people as they are encountering these things is that prophets, when they see future events, prophets like Daniel or Jeremiah, or um, even when Jesus is standing, uh, I won't say Jesus, uh, Daniel specifically, Jeremiah, John, when they're looking forward, um, often it they don't have depth to what they're seeing. In, in other words, they don't see a timeline. They're looking at forward events and some things are both already and not yet. Yeah. So in, in biblical prophecy, there is often a flavor to, there is an immediate now that's being addressed and a not yet, something that is fulfilled in the now and something to come. And it's often hard for the prophets to distinguish what's what. They're yeah. just telling you what they're seeing. And and the future and the present can somehow sometimes get overlaid mm -hmm. in the same thing. But it's like, see you, you see this vision, but you don't see the depth. And yeah. the symbolism is very real um, in, in that um, the Bible uses symbolism all the time. Jesus spoke in parables. The prophets spoke in symbols and sometimes to those that sought an, an explanation daniel seeks an explanation jeremiah uh and and uh for sure like the disciples sought explanation from jesus's parables <laughs> um, and sometimes john in revelation asked for an explanation and it's given and it's often very practical something they're seeing that's very otherworldly becomes very practical in the explanation yeah so i don't know just a few things that i thought would help frame where I like we're going. I like that, and you know, I I can almost see where this might go tonight, because <laughs> um, I can see myself making a point, but it's not this is the way it is. Yeah, right. I think I'm going to be looking more to you guys to <laughs> wh what do you think? Yeah, right. This I'm really curious about this. Yeah, sure. And you know, this is kind of what I think this means. What What do you guys yeah. think? Sure. No, for sure. Let's do it. That's, that's where That's where for we sure. might go. That's where for we sure. might go. I love it. I love it. But yeah, and and once again, I do want to I do want to preface with the fact that like the ultimate thing is like none of us actually know. Yeah. There is what we have gathered, there's what we've researched as what but we don't know. I mean, it, well, it's and it's not going to be anything where you know the day or the hour. The only people in all of this that I know that are wrong are anybody that gives you a date. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Those people are specifically and unequivocally wrong. wrong. And 100%. if Jesus was coming back on that date, he's not anymore. <laughs> oh my goodness. You, know, you go out to YouTube and yeah. you do a search on end times. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. the search results are are ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Well, and, if you, listen, and oh, yeah. if you listen to some of that, there are are a lot of predictors. Well, and one of my favorite references to that is, you know, 88 reasons that the Lord's coming back in 1988. You know, <laughs> right. that's like, there were all kinds of ridiculousness with that. But yeah, that's a whole thing. On I'd, a, I'd love to go back and, and listen to what they have to say when a date they predicted passes. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. You know, <laughs> then, and, and the excuses. And but yeah. yeah, there's a lot of that out there. And I think it's really mis <laughs> it's confusing. It's misleading. Yeah. But it's out there. For sure. And people enjoy when they do end time stuff they enjoy painting themselves in the very end of the story mm. they will always paint their yeah. current generation as 
being at the end of the story and they will interpret modern events in their specific region or that affect them in a way that colors their whole scheme. Uh, Nate, you pointed out off air that people in Hiroshima, yeah. when the atomic bomb was dropped, probably thought that was the end of the world. If you were in the vicinity and you weren't directly under it where you were vaporized immediately, yeah. you saw these things happen, you would have said end of days. I mean, heck, the guys who dropped the bomb might have thought that too. Yeah, they and, saw what and, it did. and you, you are, say you're in Nazi Germany and you're experiencing what's happening. Yeah. You believe that you are in the end of days. Uh, and, and specifically, the Apostle Paul thought that if he makes it to Spain and preaches the word, and you can see it in his writing, yeah. he, he seems to believe that the end will happen as soon as he reaches the table of no nations, as soon as everybody is told. He believes the return is immediate. Right. In, in as much as that, to the Thessalonians, they're worried because believers are dying yeah. that have proclaimed Christ, lost all their ability to get honor in the modern age, they, they've become dishonorable outsiders for the sake of Christ, and now they're passing away, and the Thessalonians are worried. They're like, how will they be vindicated? And, and Paul's like, well, we don't mourn like people that have no hope. Mm-hmm. We are going to join Jesus in his vindication. Even, and those that are dead will be there too. Yeah. And, and basically trying to give hope to persecuted believers. So like even they thought they were in the end of days and they're barely into the into the uh, a couple millennia ago yeah would it, would it <laughs> yeah. be safe to say i mean you could go back two thousand years and every generation in the last two thousand years probably thought they were oh, in the 100%. End times. yeah and they weren't right. wrong but they also weren't right in the way they thought they were right but end times teachers in the u.s are particularly bad at interpreting national events i i remember somebody saying oh saddam hussein is rebuilding babylon this is the end of this is in that's there. it yeah, yeah he's gonna rebuild babylon there it and is there it is he's the antichrist barack obama was the antichrist yeah. you know the the when the when the eu was formed it had the right number of nations to be i don't know some sort of symbol in there well now the number of nations has changed now what are yeah. you gonna do yeah you know is it really the so i guess that you know that's kind of is one of the fun things to you know talk about you know, are there unique things that apply only to this generation, to us, yeah. to our society today, yeah. this generation? You know, are there, are there things that are very, very unique to us that you could not say about any other generation except, yeah. except ours? Yeah. Uh, as far as it being written into scripture that way? Well, you that could. We, that we are somehow in scripture? No, 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 no. Um, I wouldn't go that far. What, what's an example? Uh, and you guys, you know, you guys can probably go right to a scripture reference. But <laughs> don't give us too much credit. No. <laughs> but, you know, uh, and this is one example, you know, of a sign, uh, you know, worldwide knowledge. Knowledge increases. Yeah. Right. So I mean, our society today has accumulated more knowledge than any other society in yeah. all of human history. For sure. So that's. And I look at something like that, and is that an indicator that we are unique compared to any other society? Just the amount of knowledge that, yeah. that we have accumulated compared to anybody else right. that's ever lived. Right. And I just that's one of those things that kind of jumped out at me. And some of that's that's kind of interesting. For sure. Now, does that mean we are in the end times? I don't know, but yeah. it's interesting. Yeah. 
I think I think one of the things that's interesting to me about that too is that in a lot of ways that is a that is a that statement is a continuum. I mean, you look at going from, you know, the the nomadic age of Abraham to where you ended up in the Davidic kingdom or where you ended up once Judea was under Roman rule. Like the the vast wealth of knowledge, the vast amount of of communication that people had. I mean, really there was no other time in the in the known world where it would have been better up to that point than for Christianity to be born during the Roman Empire. The connectivity that Rome had done, the things that they had done, the the technological accomplishments that they had made, the the way that they were integrating cultures into their own and saying, no, you be yourself, but you're you're also Roman now. Instead of saying, well, we're going to eradicate your culture and move you to somewhere else. It's like, no, 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 you be you, taking that thing from Alexander the Great as they did and saying, you be you, we will, we will take on your knowledge and you will become Roman and you will get the benefits of that and the brutality of that as well if you were not willing to comply. Um, and so I look at it more like from the continuum of, of where scripture started, the narrative of scripture started, we have been increasingly moving in that direction um, and, and continually moving in that direction. But because it's building on the knowledge of previous generations, because we're continually, you're seeing exponential growth continually. So whatever comes after what we currently see now in terms of worldwide communication, in terms of worldwide um, uh, uh, travel, I mean, all the things that we see now that, you know, 150 years ago, nobody would have even ever dreamed that right. it was a thing. Um, that is going to continue to exponentially increase. Um, and there's a whole theory about this that futurists and I, if my cousin was here, he could tell you exactly what the phrase is. And I'm sure if he's listening, he's yelling it at the yep. at, at his headphones. <laughs> um, but where we we've seen that for for generations now, we've seen just this exponential exponential increase of knowledge and um, and especially as technology has become a factor. So I do I do find that intriguing. Uh, I often think about that. You know, people have said that you know the apostles would have probably killed to be able to have the communication tools that we have now um, in terms of spreading the gospel. Um, and we use it to, to fight with each other on social media over things that don't actually matter. Um, and so, yeah, I, I do think there is, there is an aspect of that to which I could say, yes, we're in a completely unique time relative to what has come before. But the Bible itself is still a first century book, like as far as the new Testament, like yeah. it was written in the, the first century AD. So um, a lot of their references in in uh, Jewish Christ Jewish writing at the time and Christian writing at the time, Babylon referred to the the state of Rome. Yeah, they were ref when when Peter refers to Babylon, he's specifically talking about Rome. He calls Rome Babylon at the end of uh, at the end of Third Peter, um, or or Three Peter, however you want to say <laughs> it. But yeah, he's at, at the very end. He talks about Babylon as as Rome. And that, that equation was drawn throughout a lot of the new Testament writers. Um, and also talking about the, the church in a way that it was, it was going to exist until Christ returns again and everywhere outside of rebel revelation in the new, that in the new Testament, that tribulation is referred to, it refers to the time from the time Christ left earth until he comes again. Mm. And so they think they thought of it as like our present trial, our present tribulation. They, they consider themselves to be in a tribulation until Christ returns. Mm. Uh, we have a comforter. We have a lot of, a lot of benefits of being the church today, but that's how they saw it. And so 
um, outside of Revelation, that's how that is largely interpreted. Yeah. Um, yeah. but then you get inside revelation and people have tons of theories about what right. tri tribulation is <laughs> right. and it, like it's a, some future date, but most of the new Testament and, and the writers and the way that word is used in the Greek is a period of time from the time Jesus left until he returns yeah. again, yeah. which I don't think any of them expected to be as long as it is. No. And, no. but there are hints that it will be until the fullness of the Gentiles are gathered. They had no idea that the world was as big as it is. Yeah, that's true. And they had they had no idea what it means for the gospel to reach the end of the earth, all the ends of the earth. Yeah. And uh, we we may still have little idea of what that means. <laughs> so, but yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, we're we're kind of rambling we're on a, here a little bit. A bunny so trail. Let's, yeah. So let's let's. I, I just want to hear from you. Like, what are some things that you want to bring up? You want to talk yeah. about? I could literally bounce be about some, bounce some stuff. Pick some topics. Yeah. Let's bounce roll. some stuff off. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out this uh, uh, scripture reference. Um, because this, this okay. is one of those things that really got my attention. Yeah. And I really want to hear your opinion on this. So we're going to go to Matthew 24, verse 32, 34. Mm. Okay. We just re read this, we I did. think. Did you? Okay. Yeah, Matthew 24. Mind if I read it? Yeah, go Please. for it. Now, learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things, you can know that his, son of man, Jesus, Return is very near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass from the scene until all these things take place. So when I read this and studied it, um, one thing that, that I heard was the fig tree is in reference to Israel. And so when its branches bud, that's a reference to Israel. And clearly, look what's happened to Israel since 1948. Um, so when its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. What does he mean when he tells us summer is near? Is that the rapture? Is that the second coming? Um, based on what I've read and, and heard, you know, um, it's the rapture is, is, is what he's referring to. Uh, so if you jump down to, I'm going to uh, go to another scripture reference here real quick, because there's one more thing that I thought was important. Yeah, if you go to 1 Thessalonians 5. Mm. Yeah, these are the most yeah. common. Yep. yep. Okay. 4, 6, and 11, uh, where Jesus says, You are not in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters, and you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. So be on your guard, not asleep like the others. Stay alert, be clear-headed, encourage each other. That's what we're doing. We're talking yeah, about it. Right. Encourage each other and build each other up just as you are doing. So, you know, I read that and it's like, he's, he's telling us in, in both those passages, he's telling us, we're going to be aware, we're going to know. And that's what jumped out at me. Yeah. And, is, and, and is he telling us that you're going to know when you're in the end times? I've heard messages. I've, yeah. Yeah. I've heard your dad. Yeah. You know, who is, who is, he hasn't gone into it, but he has indicated that he thinks we're in the end times. Mm. And I hear things like that. Not only from your dad, but, you know, other um, pastors that yeah. I listen to online, like Tony Evans, good yeah. example. Yeah. And it just, it jumps out at me and it just makes me think. Yeah, for and, sure. and again, I want to talk about it. So, yeah. but those two passages in particular really, really jumped out at me and just kind of forced me to go deeper and deeper and deeper to really try and understand what are we being told there? Yeah. So the Olivet 
discourse when Jesus is on the Mount of Olives uh, back in Matthew 24. He spends a little bit of time uh, right before that in Matthew 23. He's weeping over Jerusalem. And he's standing on the Mount of Olives. He's weeping over Jerusalem. And he looks at the people and says, do you see all these buildings? I tell you, they will be completely demolished, not one stone on, on another. Um, and then they ask him, how do you w- tell us the sign? When will all this happen? And th- that's his response, what you read. Um, the Olivet Discourse, I believe, is best interpreted as mostly being fulfilled in AD 70 with the destruction of Jerusalem. That's where I would see it. Um because had somebody obeyed Jesus's words here Mm -hmm. in that day and not gone back into the city, everything was destroyed. Titus pulled all the rocks apart. Like he did everything that Jesus is talking about here. And if you did flee to the mountains, you would have been saved. Had had people followed what he says here. And he says it it would be better for you if it happens. um, I lost my place here. Is this where it says it would would be better if it doesn't happen in winter so that you can yeah run uh should not go down in the house yeah back. a person yeah. out in the field must re- not return to get a coat how terrible it will be for pregnant women and nursing mothers in that days and pray that your flight will not be in winter or on the sabbath for there will be greater anguish than at any time since the world began never so great in fact unless that time of calamity is short not a single person will survive um and jesus is talking about a very specific event there um and, and it is, it's directly fulfilled. And he is weeping over what is going to happen. Um, as, as the Jews look to overthrow the Romans and have an earthly kingdom and hole up in Jerusalem, and that's the answer to yeah. what happens. Um, then he gets a little bit into the Son of Man coming um, and a few, a few things at the end that sound like a uh, return or, or like, Jesus is coming and they will see the son of man coming on the clouds with power and great glory. He will send out his angels with the mighty blast of a trumpet. And those are end of like Jesus's return. Yeah. Um, But I do think it's important to not see all of it as future and to be able to see what, where he was and what he was saying. And he was answering a specific question about, he says, I'm, we- I'm weeping over Jerusalem and all these buildings are going to be torn down. And they're like, well, how do we know this is going to happen? Mm. And then he goes into future events. But a lot of that is fulfilled in AD 70. Yeah. So um, I, that's, that's how I see it. Also, when, when the trumpet blast happens, he's talking about um, the Son of Man coming on the clouds. Uh, something that Ross pointed out, and I verified it yeah. from another source. Um, when Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians talks about uh, then the dead in Christ will rise first and then we will meet the Lord in the air. A lot of people look to that as a rapture passage. What it's talking about there was the custom of a returning emperor. Um, and when an emperor returned from battle, they would come in and a trumpet would be blown and people would leave their houses, go out and join the procession as the emperor would come into the city and they would share in his victory in the coming of the king. So, if we're caught up in the air, it's only to come with him. And and Paul is talking specifically to the Thessalonians who are worried about vindication. They're very worried. We are dishonored. We are right. on the edges and of society. How will I know? How will the people that I'm proclaiming, I believe in the return of Christ and all of this, and I'm proclaiming that and it doesn't happen and I've died. How will they be vindicated? Right. And he's saying we're going to be caught up with the Lord 
and we're going to come with him in the clouds. Like we are coming with him uh, to to this earth and every knee is going to bow and all of that. One of the things that we have trouble understanding in modern American uh, culture, particularly Western culture in particular, is we do not live in an honor shame society. Right. We live in a a a what I would call more of like a or a moral black and white society in a lot of ways, even though some would say that's kind of not necessarily true. But there it's like there is a right and a wrong. In in that era, in that and and that is something that has been born out of Christianity, like the idea of of morality as we see it today in the Western world. People having intrinsic value. Yes, there being a things. sense of right that and is, wrong justice. That, that comes directly from Christ. That was not how anybody viewed right. anything until he came along. Um, and so the idea was, you can do whatever you want so long as you're not exposed in doing that thing. When you're exposed and you bring dishonor to your family or dishonor to your culture or dishonor to your 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 king or dishonor to your city, then it's a shameful thing that you must be condemned for. And what the first century church was looking at is they are they have been ostracized by society. They have basically chosen when they talk about joining Christ in His sufferings. It's this man who was humiliated by by suffering a criminal's death, a horrible, horrifying death, the shame of the we cross. are joining in that same shame yeah. because the culture does not see what we are, or what we're doing and we're being rejected. And so as people were dying, that like Sheldon was saying, they were looking at it and saying, how like they're not, vind- they're not going to be vindicated on at you know, at the, at the return of Christ. Cause they've, they've died and they're going to share in this shame. And, and Paul saying, no, 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 just like you would rush out for this event with an emperor returning. This is what will happen when Christ returns and we will all join him in his vindication. And again, Ross, I will, I'll refer to him here. Cause he said something that I really loved. He said that not only will people, when they, when every knee bows and every tongue confesses that Jesus and Lord, he says, not only is that people looking to Jesus and saying, okay, I have to admit, yes, your your God, your Lord, and and I denied it this whole time, but they'll also he said they'll also have this idea of like, oh man, Ross was you know, right, and Ross was right, <laughs> or or man, and Scott was right, you know, they, there's that we share in that vindication, yeah. and it's not like a like a uh, let me rub your nose in it, but it's again, it's just that confession of like, yeah, I may have mocked you and persecuted you in life, but man, I see now that that this was this was what was right. And so again, there's there's so many cultural things that you have to read into anything biblical. Um, you know, the Bible is not a mystery. The Bible is an explanation of itself. You can you can pretty much find it all there. And and um, you know, funny. So, th- uh, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. You were. Well, I was just going to say a funny thing for me with all this. I really delved into a lot of end time stuff in like my junior high era because it scared me. And and the way I've always tackled things that frighten me, I research them until they don't frighten me anymore. Um, I, I had a yeah. deathly fear of tornadoes uh, when I was when I was very young, which you should have. They are very scary, but debilitating fear of them. Every time there was a thunderstorm, I would just freak out. And so I thought, I'm going to watch every documentary. I'm going to read every book. I'm going to learn everything I know about the signs and how it works and what happens. And and it's like all of a sudden I was like, OK, I'm, I'm over that fear because at least I'll see it coming. And I think end times end times study is for a lot of people is that kind of idea. It's like I'm afraid of this because I don't understand it. If I can gain some knowledge, if I can gain some understanding, then not necessarily the mystery will be gone, but the 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 edge of fear will be gone from it. So, um, so a secret rapture of the church was not anything that anyone thought in all of Christianity until 1830. That that was a ecstatic, like charismatic vision that a lady named Margaret MacDonald had in Scotland. She had this vision of a secret rapture. And John Nelson Darby latched onto that, um, and he he basically popularized that view without crediting her a whole lot. But <laughs> the idea was that he had he he had 
the restoration of Israel is one of his main messages and was like, Israel's going to become their own nation. And then God has to finish his original plan, which was for Jesus to rule over Israel. And, and that got messed up when Jesus was crucified, which that gets hairy. And so when the Jews rejected Jesus and he was crucified, then God had to go to plan B. So he raised Jesus and then we had the church and this is how it was preached. Like then we have the church age, but the church is just brackets in this whole story. And then we're going to secretly rapture the church out. And then Jesus is going to come back and he's going to rule and reign with Israel and an earthly kingdom. They're going to reestablish the sacrificial system. The temple is going to be rebuilt and all this stuff. And he's teaching a lot of this. And it was latched onto by D.L. Moody and Moody Bible Institute. And then uh, the the Schofield um, Reference Bible has all kinds of notes related directly to this, but it all ties back to, uh, that, that secret rapture. It's not in scripture. It comes from what we were talking about in, in Matthew 24, where it says, as in the days of Noah, one will be taken another left and and that kind of thing. And that's where they read it into the text. Well, what happened in the days of Noah? (laughs) It says in the days of Noah, basically People were living their lives right up until that time, and then they were swept away. Who was swept away? Well, it wasn't the believers. <laughs> it was the unbelievers. And then you get to Thessalonians, the verse you just read, and it says that we're supposed to remain clear-headed and not as the drunkards. And and when a, when a drunk person wakes up in the morning, the morning is a rough deal, and it's like, oh, I did not <laughs> expect this. But someone who's about the father's business, if you're a diligent worker, you're up before the sun, and the sun comes up and you're like, huh, it's another day. I'm still doing what I should be doing. So the day is not a surprise to you and the flood is not a surprise to you. You're doing what you ought to be doing and you're found doing what you expect to be doing. You're not, um, you're not somehow surprised. I would use the phrase events. caught with your pants down. It's right. basically the, right. the best way to put it, yeah. I would say. Yeah. I've, I've heard a lot of people refer to First Thessalonians 4, 16, 18 as that's, that's yes. the rapture. What? Yeah. Help me. Help me understand that. Yeah. What what that text means. That's what I was getting into a little bit. Um, it, it in the Greek, it's not really that we're, so much that we're caught up into the air. We don't necessarily leave. If we would leave, it would only be like leaving the surface temporarily in order to come with him. But <laughs> it's basically the idea of it will be clear to everyone. Hey, Jesus is back. And we're all going to stop what we're doing and we're going to go like welcome him in. Yeah. And, and we will join with him in that. We will greet it as like, Hey, this is what I was hoping was going to happen or that I knew was going to happen. Uh, everybody else will be like, Oh my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) This is quite the thing. Yeah. I don't know if that helps. I, um, yeah, I don't know if that helps. Yeah. well, and again, I think it's one of those things where, where too, as as with so much, I was much, looking up First uh, Thessalonians four. So yeah. go ahead. As with so much of Scripture that can be tricky is is when you're looking for a particular thing in Scripture, right. when you have an idea of what you're looking for, you can find it, or you can find something that supports it. Um, an example that I use all the time is when Paul is referring and saying, you know, wives submit to your husbands. You know, and, and everybody wants to run to that verse and use it as an excuse for women to be subjugated to men. Right. But just before that, even in its own scripture, he says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It's like, well, that that is the first thing. And then he says, this is what that submission looks like. And 
but people miss that because what they want to see is how can I use religion to help subjugate women, which is never what it was intended to do. Right. And I don't think that um, a lot of what has gone on into eschatology, dispensationalism, I don't think that this is nefarious. I don't think people have come along and said, how can I use something to scare people or how can I use something to manipulate people? I think people have seen a thing and they genuinely believe it and they genuinely feel this is something that needs to be shown and preached and taught and, and people need to be ready because it's coming like right now. Um, and they could be right, but I, I, I am one of those people that I, I, like I said, I delved into this so much and it scared me to death. And uh, John Hagee was one who I, I read a ton of his stuff over the years. Yep. Um, but I remember his big his big book that I, I read was was called The Beginning of the End. And it was uh, very much based around the idea of, at the time, the assassination of Israeli Prime Minister uh, Yitzhak Rabin and how that was going to uh, basically be the tipping point for all of these things that were about to happen. And I got into all the things of Revelation and how, you know, when John was seeing this, this might have been what he was actually seeing when he referred to this wasting disease. It was referring to Ebola when he was like, he got into all these things. And that was in the early 90s. And again, that book was one that like terrified me. I'm like, I got to figure all this out. But how many things have happened since then? How many things have changed since then? How many books has he written that have not necessarily counteracted what he originally said, but have ignored the fact that he made all of these grandiose claims. And then here we are now. I mean, what was his, I think his most recent one was that blood, the blood moon uh, oh, yeah. uh, series that he did. And then and we find out the moon just turns red every now and then. <laughs> it does, yeah. And so, so again, I don't think it's, this is like nefarious or people trying to do, I'm sure there are some people, I don't think it's nefarious, but I hit a point where I'm like in reading that and really getting into, into it, particularly what's in Thessalonians. I'm like, I don't care. And I don't mean that in a callous sense, but like it is not going to change how I'm living my life for Christ and how I am being gospel centric in everything that I do, whether or not revelation is this particular interpretation or whether or not the rapture is happening with like I am living for Christ because I'm filled with the spirit and he directs what I do and that will not change. And while I still enjoy the debate and I still enjoy looking at these things and I'm intrigued by it still, I hit a point where my, I would say my eschatology is eh, like it, it maybe, maybe not. And, and I'm fine with that because again, my security is not in what's going to happen at the end of days. My security is in the fact that I'm redeemed by the blood of Christ by no action of my own through faith alone. And I'm great. Like whatever it is, God's got me and I'm good. Um, and I think that has come to me in that way because it was such a fear centric study for me when I was growing up. It wasn't a joyful thing. It wasn't a intrigue. It wasn't intrigue. It was, it was, I was terrified. Like, what if I miss it? What if I do, what if I have this one sin and then the Lord comes back and I miss it? Like right. I, it was all fear based for me and there was no security. There was no assurance in it. And really the Lord convicted me about it and be like, you need to quit. Like you just need to stop this. Well, I was like, okay. The end of that first Thessalonians four passage, it says, therefore encourage each other with these words. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't sound encouraging at all. You know, um, then we who are left, we will be suddenly caught up together with them in the clouds and meet the Lord in the air. So we will always be with the Lord. One of the things that dispensationalism does, and we keep talking about that, but that is uh, largely what started in 1830 and has been carried forward that entails a secret rapture, two different peoples of the Lord, the Jewish nation and and Christians as being separate people of the Lord. Um, and then there will be two comings of the Lord. There's that secret rapture where he comes and raptures the church out. And then when he comes in power, 
and there's a literal thousand year reign and all of that stuff. Um, that, and, and there, there's the age of law and the age of grace and all of that is dispensationalism. Um, that's been, that, that's been a fairly recent develop in, development in Christianity. And so it's not necessarily considered to be an orthodox view. Um, as far as, as far as Christian orthodoxy goes, no, it has become a mainstream, it has become a more mainstream view because it's been popularized. Um, but anyway, uh, at the basis of all that is a misunderstanding of the covenant people and how that works. Um, and, and it, it's not replacement theology Mm -hmm. that I would ascribe to, um, but it's more what the Bible says. We are grafted in to the promise of Abraham and that God could get sons of Abraham from these stones. He, he basically, uh, grafted us in to a branch that had already grown. So is the root of our faith? Is it the, it's the, it's built on the faith of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and it's built forward. But we all, by grace, are grafted yeah. into this branch, and so we will all share in the glory of the Lord. But we don't look for two returns of Christ. I, we're looking for him to come once. Yeah, He's going to be here once. For the resolve of and it, all. And it says that we're going to be with him forever after that. So, something else that's helpful when interpreting uh, biblical prophecy and stuff is that um, to the biblical writers, a thousand years was an innumerable amount of time. Like it, yeah. if, if you wanted to say forever, you wrote a thousand years. Mm-hmm. Like it was when, when it says a thousand years is like a day to the Lord, a thousand years meant forever. forever. So a thousand <laughs> year reign, uh, a thousand year reign is just an indefinite period of time. It's, it's huge, mm-hmm. you know? Um, that's but really anyway. interesting. Cause I mean, I, I, I take things so literally sometimes right. yeah. and I look at, you know, the millennial kingdom, the thousand year reign. I look at that as 1000 years years yeah you know the tribulation period seven years yeah i look at that as seven years where do you get seven years it's not biblical <laughs> it's okay no it's okay, it's okay. And, and again no i and, and I, again, I enjoy challenging right. this mainly because it's one of those things that's been taught right out of a dispensational yeah. worldview and, and it comes from a misunderstanding right. of daniel and 9. to be clear these are things that we thought at one point oh yeah and this isn't like until i looked for it right this isn't like we went to bible school and we were taught the opposite. It's like, we have just looked into these things longer and longer. And it's like, well, wait a minute. I don't see that here. Like, I see how you can extrapolate that, but you need, you need some extra seasoning to get that. It's not just plainly there. Yeah. And, uh, and, but again, it's, it's one of those things where even, even saying like we're saying, like, we don't know. We just know how we interpret scripture, generally speaking, in terms of scripture being an explanation for itself, context of the culture, all of those things being necessary. And this should be no different. So that um, this is really good. So so seven year tribulation period, maybe, but not necessarily is what you're saying. I, I think, believe it's I believe it's a indefinite tribulation yeah. period that started when Jesus left. Yeah. And again, I think this is one of those things that's <laughs> I believe. Uh, but I, I, there's there's nowhere that you find a seven year tribulation. I just read all of Revelation. We read all of Matthew. We've been we read through the whole Bible last year. Uh, I, and the assumption you don't you, you see hear, it. You have to read it. Right. Into and, the what's, prophecy and what's the phrase? Daniel. What's the phrase that gets used? The the times, times and half a time, half a yeah, time. Yeah. And that's where they get that yeah. number. But it's again, you have to make an assumption that what they're talking about is, you know, here's how we think this is that. Well, yeah, but. You're, you're kind of just grabbing that and saying, here's what it is. Um, but it is it is an interesting thing because one of the things that, that we touched on is that a lot of views of of, um, of end times is so 
Western centric and particularly Amerocentric. It's 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 based on what is going yeah. on in America because we given have to moment. sell it to Americans. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> and so and so we we look at what's happening politically, or we look at what's happening socially, or uh, we look at what's happening on the news, whatever it may be, and we think, well, the the return of the Lord must be happening soon because you know people have gotten arrested because they're meeting together when COVID lockdowns mean that you shouldn't be meeting together in a church or, or, you know, you've got a, 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 a president or a Congresswoman or a, or something that says a particular thing that, that is disparaging to Christians. And it's like, Oh, the persecution, the tribulation is about to begin. I'm like, there are people in North Korea who are right now dying for their faith in Christ. Yeah. There are people in China who are right now dying for their faith in for Africa. I mean, anywhere you could possibly mention other than, a large part of the Christian slash Western Western world, it is actively happening right now. And so the idea that suddenly there will be a tribulation just because it comes to America's shores or just because it comes to Britain's shores is really, uh, I would say almost blasphemous because it's putting us into a position that we do not belong and that we do not hold. We do not have a special place in the church just because we're Americans or just because we're, we're members of, of, of the British crown. Like no, like we are the church, universal, the body, and the body is still continually suffering the same kinds of persecutions that they suffered in the first century. And it has not stopped. It has not stopped from that time. And so, yeah, I, and I the do. Bible, the Bible should be useful to encourage first century believers and believers thereafter that are suffering in tribulation and to look at everything as forward and being like, well, someday there, things are going to get a lot worse. Well, what comfort does that bring <laughs> to somebody that's suffering presently? Yeah. For the yeah. gospel. What, what comfort is there? Yeah. There's not. It's like, well, things are just going to get worse and worse and worse. Well, that's not comforting. <laughs> like, so when you're reading Revelation and, and you're reading Daniel or you're reading all these other places, it should be useful in, in all these time periods. And it is. It is. It is, yeah. absolutely is. And, and so if you have an interpretation that, that is somehow centered on you, you're going to be wrong. Like it's, mm. it's, it's to bring hope to the church. Yeah. It's not about yeah. our particular. But again, I mean, the, the idea even of, of a rapture, maybe somebody had a particular revelation and that, and they got it right, you know, and that's the thing. And, and they, they saw, but again, for me, I don't see that necessarily explicitly in scripture, but I, again, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I just know what I think I actually see. Uh, when I look at it, when I scrape away the the other opinions that I've I've read or gleaned from people who I know are way smarter than me, but I feel like have also fixated on a particular thing that maybe they don't need to bother with. I would say sense. if yeah. there is a rapture, it's not of the saints. It would be the bad people being swept away <laughs> and to a great white throne judgment like that. That kind of thing would make more sense in what Jesus is saying in the days of Noah, like one will be taken and another left. Well, which one? Which one's taken? It doesn't say which one's taken and which one's left. But it gives Noah for context. It gives Noah for context. And it so wasn't it's Noah like, and his family. It's like that were swept we'll be, away. It we'll be preserved those and those that, that are unbelieving will be swept away by the coming judgment. And it's like. Okay. (laughs) You know, I, I'm not sure that we, a lot of people are very, very certain in their symbolism and their interpretation of the symbolism. And I, I don't know that it's given to us that way. I don't know. So when we talk about things like an antichrist Mm. and a one world government and all those things, uh, I mean, how does that, how does that tie into this, this discussion? How does that tie into the tribulation period? If, you know, and that makes a lot of sense. There's logic to that, that we, you know, we may have been in this tribulation period since 
you know, for 2000 years. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. There's logic Peter, to that. Peter tells us that the spirit of Antichrist is one that believes that Jesus did not come in human flesh. He points straight at Gnosticism and says, this is an Antichrist teaching. Yeah. And uh, anyone that is not Antichrist will teach you that Jesus came in human flesh. He was God in human flesh. And basically denying uh, that that uh, the deity of Christ and the humanity of Christ, denying his that he actually came, that it wasn't some sort of mysterious yeah. thing. Um, that he was directly counteracting Gnostic teaching. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and he says, Peter says, the spirit of Antichrist, which is already in the world, and there are already a bunch of Antichrists out here. He's pointing at them, and he's calling out their teaching specifically and saying, this is Antichrist. So uh, also, when you, look at, when you look at the women of Revelation, the one that is, is uh, basically pure and is giving birth and that kind of thing, that, that woman is a picture of the church. The, the woman that's a prostitute is, is generally, it, throughout Old Testament scripture, would be, some, would be those that prostituted themselves to other gods, that, that basically uh, worshipped another thing. Um, you know, a, a beast, the beast could be some type of ruler or whatever, but it's largely when it's talking about Babylon, it's talking about an earthly kingdom that's opposed right. to God. Um, but if you look in Revelation, a lot of things that are given in fours, like four winds, four angels, four, uh, creatures, all of those are earth. So it's, it's very earthly. Uh, so it's like the four corners of the earth, the four winds, that's very earthly. Uh, the, the number seven is usually like God or the, the things that are brought to completion. Um, but six, because the earth was created in six days, that kind of thing, that's the number of the earth. Um, so you get a, you get a beast, you get a, uh, dragon and you get something else. And so I'm like, well, the number six, six, six makes sense. (laughs) I mean, it's, there's some things like that, that can be a little bit helpful. The 12 is pretty easy. Uh, you have like the 12 tribes of Israel. So, but why 12 times 12, why 144 plus the thousand, the innumerable number? Well, you, and it says a crowd greater than could be numbered and then is calling at 144,000. Well, how do you get that? You have 12 times 12, the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles symbolizing both the church and the, so the first covenant and the second covenant Mm -hmm. together, like the, all the covenant people of God brought together. Uh, called by him, set apart. Here they are celebrating. They're they're all right there celebrating the return of Christ. And so how were people saved in the Old Testament? Same way we're saved in the New Testament, by faith. You were saved by faith, by grace, through faith. Um, so you were saved by faith in God, looking forward to Christ in the, in the Old Covenant. But after Jesus, you're saved by grace through faith. Again, looking at Christ as your object of your faith. Yeah. So that that innumerable 144,000 is not a literal number. I don't think it was intended to be that way. Um, This is where I'm like Jehovah's Witness, man. I'm like, if there's only 144,000 of you, you guys are already over budget. (laughs) (laughs) Like time to stop believing in whatever that is that like a whole 144,000 people already punched their ticket. What are you doing? Kicking people off this ride at this point? Quit knocking on doors. Yeah, I'd stop proselytizing yesterday. (laughs) I don't want anybody else in there. If uh, if this is a limited number, I'm punching my ticket. When when you read things like um, the mark of the beast, not being able to buy or sell unless you have the mark. Mm -hmm. And I kind of, I kind of see where this conversation's going. And honestly, this is, this is very comforting. Hopefully. (laughs) But I mean, what do you make of that? I mean, we're told that. And, you know, what do you yeah. make of that? 
Well, I mean, because I've heard, you know, I've, I've heard so many commentaries on, you know, the fact that we have the technology to right. put a chip in our wrist. Microchips, oh, yeah. All, yeah. all of that. Yeah. All of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, first of all, let me let me state this. Would I ever accept a chip in my hand or my forehead? No. Uh, no. <laughs> I will tell you that right now. I won't do it. I don't know if it mean I didn't have to carry around keys and I could just unlock my oh, okay. house. I like there's 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 some things where I'm like I know some people who have gotten themselves chipped as like like this is how I get into my office. This is how I do. But I think I think one of the things that this all comes from is this this concept that it is a specific thing and that we're somehow going to be tricked into getting it. I don't think that's going to be the no, case. No, it'll be a the, choice. It is. It, it will be a black and white. You are choosing yeah. to serve yeah. something other yeah. than. Right. Um, but I also think that you look throughout the history of the world. I just don't like in technological intrusion because I'm like a in inwardly I'm like a 74 year old. Man. Right. That's right. You are a way older man <laughs> yeah. than I am, even though you called me an old man all the time. Um, so, but if you think about that, that that pattern of of persecution has existed for a great deal of the church. Um, you know, there are people who, if they, if they ascribe to that faith, you know, in Rome, you were killed, you were, you were ostracized, you were, you were starved. Like you, all of these things were actively happening. Yeah. That was happening in, in the, the culture of Rome, especially, it, particularly with Nero, uh, at that yeah. particular time when, uh, John was writing. Basically to say you were a Christian was a death sentence. Right. And, and like you couldn't engage in culture, right. buy and sell, things like that. You could easily look for fulfillment of that at almost any point. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not stuck on that it has to be a future event right um, and and i think part of the other thing that we, we we have to think about with the first century church their concept of even government and governance and loyalty to country like it it did not nationalism did not exist like it exists now you know right. Jew, jewish nationalism was entirely wrapped up in not the nation it was wrapped up in yahweh it was wrapped up in in adherence to God, and God has given us this land. This is ours because it is our inheritance from God. Not you know God guts and glory. This is our country. You know, whatever. Like that. That was that is a a fairly recent development. You know, nationalism is a very new thing, um, and and so this this idea of even world government. I mean, they were seeing it. The known world was controlled by Rome, by one government, by yeah, one yeah. like that, and that. That had happened several times over the history of the world, but not like Rome did it. Rome was a whole different thing. And it was so caught up in one person in in the role and the the rule of Caesar. Um, and I'm not Julius Caesar, but the Caesars um, as, as an entity. Um, and so they were actively seeing that right then and there. But this idea of like they could see, you know, that further on there were going to be all these other nations and all these other things that would then come to. I mean, the reality is that even states becoming nations you know i think of how recently the german uh the german state uh, as in terms of a nation came to be i mean that was an early 20th century or late 18th uh or late 19th century it finally all these little nation states came together and formed what we now refer right. to as germany germanic culture all these little bits and pieces you know were anciently there and all these things that you could but as far as a unified germany didn't exist um what we have in the united states we're basically a bunch of small countries we're essentially europe but one united country uh, in terms of land mass, in terms of population, like we're, that is, that is what we are. We are a bunch of almost nation states that said we will come together as one nation. There was no concept of that outside of the force of an empire. Um, and so this idea of people just willingly giving themselves over of willingly, uh, you know, what we would say, you know, electing or choosing like that, 
that was not even on the on the radar of first century Christians. Um, and so I think again, it's where we can read into a lot of things based around the fact that we have a certain understanding now and a certain lens now, which is our lens and is correct. But to then look at the first century and say, I'm going to interpret what you've said through my lens as opposed to saying, I'm going to let you, the first century church, be the lens that I interpret what you're saying through. It changes the parameters of everything. And again, there are some clear things where Jesus is clearly speaking about things that are yet to come, but they're the most vague things. Like they're the things that like, like, well, everything you could have said about that is right there, but you didn't really say much. You just gave us enough to and say. He said, he even said while he was here, like that, the date when all this is going to happen was concealed from him. Yeah. When in, in his Olivet Discourse, he says, but that's concealed yeah. from even me. Yeah. You know, and it's it's one of those things. Only the father knows the date or the hour yeah. and when, when all this is to occur. So I, I think there is great comfort in the idea, in a couple ideas. One, that God wins in the end. That the rising and falling of earthly kingdoms is no mystery to him. Yeah. Um, and that it's... It, the Bible doesn't necessarily say that things are going to get worse and worse until the end or better and better yeah. until the end. It's just that we, the world is in a broken state until Jesus comes and puts things right. Yeah. And those of us that have been through times of injustice or seeing something wrong that won't be corrected in our lifetimes, and we know it won't be corrected in our lifetimes, we look forward to that future day when Jesus is going to set everything right. Yeah. And and I think that is a great comfort to people that may die without ever seeing true justice being done. Um, and, and so, yeah, I think there is a certain number of things in those prophecies, if you take them way too literally, that could turn into a sci-fi battle with a dragon and a beast <laughs> and, and, and like... But we have no problem also looking in Revelation and we see a lamb that looks like it's been killed and we see, oh, it's Jesus. That's yeah. no problem for people that are doing a literal interpretation. They see Jesus in the lamb, but as soon as they see a beast, they can't see anything other than a beast. <laughs> and, and as soon as they see a woman, they can't see anything other than a literal woman or, or you know, those kinds of things. That's, yeah. and, 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 for, uh, and to say, okay, these... Right take a particular number of times and this is what's going to happen right. it can be very scary to people like this is much bigger than me, you know, and, and how spiritual things get overlaid over actual natural things that happen. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, you see a couple images of Jesus in revelation. You see the, the man who John recognizes looks like Jesus, except his hair is on fire and his yeah. eyes are flashing as flames of fire and there's a sword coming out of his mouth. Well, what is this sword? Paul tells us the word of God is, is quick and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Oh, and it comes out of Jesus' mouth. Well, well that's not confusing at all. There, <laughs> there we see Jesus. And then later you see this lamb that's breaking seals and we're like, oh, Jesus again. And then we see Jesus, you know, coming on a horse and we're like, Oh, it's Jesus again. And we have no problem with that because it's <laughs> laid out. And yet in the span of several chapters, we've seen three different pictures of Jesus. And then we get into other stuff and we're like, Oh, this is all really confusing. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe we don't know what we're looking at. Right. <laughs> right. Let me ask you this question. <clears throat> yeah. Spot, you, sorry. We haven't let you throw very much at us. <laughs> <laughs> no, we apparently this. had more to say than we thought. <laughs> Every commentary, just about every commentary that I've listened to or watched, 
um, has pointed to the significance of Israel being reestablished mm-hmm. as a nation in 1948. Yeah. Right. Political Israel. Yeah. And, um, and so many commentaries will point to that and say that is when the clock started ticking, yeah. ticking towards a rapture, a pre-tribulation rapture, mm-hmm. leading into the tribulation, leading into the second coming, the millennial kingdom, you know, yeah. and then what, and right down, right towards the end. So, right. uh, and, and just about every commentary points to the importance of that right. and the significance of that. So, you know, what do you guys to what do you guys to make of yeah. to make of that? Well, first of all, what I will definitively say, and this is the one thing I will definitively stay say, the clock started ticking on the end of days from the moment Jesus left the earth. Right. That was the definitive here's where the clock started, here's where it, that was it. Everything else is everything else. And it can be interpreted as one thing or another. It can be any of those things. But he is the point. He is the point of all of it. The entire arc of scripture, Old Testament to Revelation to what we are living in the Holy Spirit now, Jesus is the point. If you don't see Jesus in it, if Jesus is not the main thing, you have gotten off into the weeds and we need to come back to that. So he is, he is the thing that was the start of all of this. So political Israel, uh, Here's my question. If you were Palestinian and you moved to the current nation state of Israel, could you become an, is, an Israeli citizen? Yeah, you can get citizenship in Israel. Yeah. It's not just Jewish people. Right. So it's the people that, are, that make up the current political borders of Israel. I don't think it matters. They don't have a temple. The temple has not been rebuilt. The sacrificial system has not been reinstated. A lot of dispensationalists that talk about this stuff, they see it as, you know, Israel being reformed, but then all these things are coming. That's what they will keep pointing to. Like there's even Christian groups that are looking to help the Jews retake the temple mount and build a temple to reinstitute the sacrificial system. Like, what are we doing? If there's one thing we know Jesus ended, it's the sacrificial system in order to approach God. Yeah. Like, God does not live in a temple made with hands. We know this. We are the temple. Yeah. We are the temple of God. He lives in, in the hearts of in, in men. Like he, yeah. he makes his home with us. And, and we know this stuff. And yet we do things that are counter to it. And we say, oh, this has to happen. And I, no, it doesn't. It, the, a political Israel being there, not being there doesn't matter. Yeah. I, I hate to say that, but <laughs> it, I, and I support Israel. Like right. I, I, I think, and I think the Lord in will defend them in some way. I, I just don't, I just don't see it as like, yeah. okay, this is now starting some sort of clock that's counting down right. to a particular time. I think that's way too modernist right. of a view. And, and I think, I think that it's not like, it's not like everybody has been gathered. So like, for sure. the, if you look the, the lost tribes of Israel, where are they? They haven't, they haven't been gathered. Here's what I will say. I think a lot of the prophecies concerning um, the reverse of, of uh, the exile occurred in Pentecost. Mm. I think a lot of that happened in Pentecost. It says Jews from every nation were there and they heard the gospel. Yeah. And they were presented with the opportunity to become a part of the family of God. Right. A lot of the reversal of the, the of the curse of being exiled happened right there. If if the Jewish people were willing to accept that that was right. a, a significant right. event, um, and then you also have 
um, the reversal of the Tower of Babel happen, happening right there at Pentecost where everybody heard the gospel in their own language. Yeah. All of a sudden, the curse of, of Babel was broken because yeah. God cursed the nations and said, oh, you guys can't communicate. And all of a sudden, all these Jews are brought from all these different places and regions and the spirit falls and the curse of Babel is reversed and they all hear yeah. the gospel in their own tongue. Yeah. And they're like blown away. What is what is happening? And I think if we're willing to accept it, there's a lot that's fulfilled there. Yeah. And and it was a significant moment. Right. But yeah, so I don't necessarily see political Israel or its survival or its rise or its right. fall. It, it's not they don't they don't have a king. That there's not a particular thing that you can point to and say all of these people, first of all, are descended from Abraham. Uh, they're not. It's it's a mixture of people, mm-hmm. and it will re- remain that way as far as we can tell. Right. But well, I don't even know. even the Jewish system has changed a great deal in terms right. of in terms of uh, the religion. I mean, it is well it is after eighty seventy, all yeah. you had was synagogues, right. so you didn't have a temple to right. offer sacrifices. But, it was gone. But I think too, I, I will say what I do believe is that the existence of Israel as a state is I think one of those things that, that God kind of gets there and like, Hey, I'm just going to remind everybody that I'm in this because there is no reason. There is no reason at all that within the borders of their ancestral home, they should still exist when the Greeks and the Romans and all of these great, I mean, empires that we, that we have founded our current societies on have fallen. And yet here is little Israel still at the forefront of politics, still at the forefront of, of the world stage, there's no reason that should be the case. And, and so I think of it as God's little uh, just reminder, like, hey, I'm here, and this is a reminder that I'm here. I'm going to basically make, make my, my original covenant people, I'm going to make them a thorn to the flesh of the world to say, but here we are, here they still are. And you can't deny that. And, and the promises of God don't lift. No. They don't go away. God speaks his promises outside of time. And they show up in different mysterious ways. Yeah. And we're like, huh, this is this is yeah. rather interesting. Yeah. You know, but I don't I don't necessarily think it's like Yeah. I don't know. Yes. I think that I think I think that Jesus will come and rule and reign on this earth. I think that is 100%. significant. Um, yeah. That that it says heaven and earth will pass away and all things will become new, um, but it's going to be here. Like it's it, whatever here means in spirit, <laughs> spiritual physical sense. But yeah. um, the New Jerusalem has particular borders that we're told about and things like that. I don't know how much of that measurement is reality or whatever, but it's going to be. Very, very cool. <laughs> I tell you that. Um, and yeah, I mean, now we're straying into heaven a little bit. Yeah. But keep going with a few <laughs> other things that you had. There. Well, this has just been phenomenal. I mean, <laughs> this is, you know, this has been uh, so refreshing for me to just be able to sit down and have this kind of conversation. Because, yeah, there's so many things that have influenced me that I'm sure influence a lot of other people. You mentioned early on the Left Behind book series. Yeah. Fabulous read. Yeah, I, mean, I loved yeah, it. They're a ton I of was fun. just fascinated they're with it. I just loved it. And totally useless but, for interpreting Revelation, <laughs> in my opinion. But it has a lot of influence. Yes, it, it really does. does. Yeah, it has. And then, um, you know, all the follow-up movies that uh, you know that came out as a result. Yeah. Everything you can go out to YouTube and right. and, and find yeah. and just sit there and watch. 
Yeah. It influences you. Yeah. It really does. So yeah. one thing that would be helpful, I think, for people that want to see uh, what the tie-ins are from the Old Testament uh, into Revelation, if you pick up David Campbell's uh, Mystery Explained, he has a, he has a book um, that basically he's done a lot of the research to tie in the Old Testament imagery into the new, into Revelation. And that, that should be helpful. I'm, I'm not saying you have to land where he does no. um, in any of it. He takes a more idealist view. Um, but uh, in the end, it, it is just helpful information to say, okay, uh, if I remove the um, dramatic trappings of all of this and just say, okay, uh, where else would these things be found in Scripture? If, if I see a locust that has a man's head and a crown upon it, uh, and a whole army of them. Uh, it seems rather terrifying. I'd scratch my head over that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it shows up in the Old Testament, and it's and it's just an army that's opposed to God, you know. And and it's like, okay, that that's helpful. It's yeah. helpful to see it in other places. And then this imagery is borrowed, or it meant sen- made sense to someone, you know. Yeah. Um, the other thing that's that I think should help people is that John, in his vision, is often looking for human words to describe spiritual things. And he often doesn't have good words for it. And not only Um, that, we have the English interpretation of those not good words he tried to come up with. So he said in Greek, I guess. No, he probably would have. Jesus spoke Aramaic, so he may have said it, but it was translated into Greek either way. So um, anyway, he's using those words for it. And one of the things you get is he has trouble describing pavement. (laughs) Uh, He says it was paved with gold, the purest gold, and it was also transparent. (laughs) And I'm like, I've seen really pure gold. At no time was it transparent. <laughs> so I don't think we have good words for a lot of things that he saw. Yeah. And, and it was supposed to be helpful um, and, and prophetic. And, yeah. and so I think using something like the mystery explained or, or a few other things that would tie it uh, back into scripture and yeah. help us just something that helps you with the symbolism, I think would, right. would be good. And I, I think that one thing that's helpful too is, is again, I run, I try to run everything through Christ himself, right? Because he did not hide the ball ever. I mean, you look at the things he said to his disciples and you're like, how did you idiots not hear what he was saying? He literally told you he's going to suffer and die. And you were surprised when he suffered and died. Like, what, what, and then they said, "Oh yeah, he told us he was yeah, going right, to do this." Yeah, that's right. That's right. He told us this. And again, I think that was obviously the the. I think that the Holy Spirit was intentionally hiding things from them in order that it could be revelation later. But in terms of what we have written in Scripture, like there's not these great mysteries. Like they are there. They're they're very plain. They're very saying what they're wanting to say. It's not like oh, and if you do your due diligence, you might find the secret. And you and I think that's what a lot of this uh, revelation type stuff has gotten into is like if we can just figure out the keys, if we can figure out the mystery. It's like no, the point of revelation is Jesus is victorious, and we will share in His victory. Everything else is just semantics, and maybe somebody's right, maybe they're not. It doesn't matter because He wins. Ultimately, He wins, He reigns, He rules, and we will join with Him in that. And that is all I need. That is all I need to know for certain. All that said, I'm not going to break fellowship with anybody no. that believes no. in any of this. No like, way. I would throw my arm around them and be like, yeah, we're brothers. If That's we can fine. agree yeah, on yeah. that final point, I don't care how you get there. Yeah. Same yeah. way. Like <laughs> I'm a young earth creationist because my faith goes that far, but not necessarily for very many other reasons. Mm. You know, it's like 
could I, would I break fellowship over somebody that believes the earth is billions of years old? No, I, I honestly don't care how old you think the rocks are. Yeah. <laughs> I care what you've done with Jesus. Yeah. You know, yeah. if, and, and you know, that even in my view, I would being a young earth creationist, I might still believe that the rocks are billions of years old <laughs> and everything that was created on top of it is fairly new you know yeah, whether, it's there's, a, whether it's young earth or old earth you know god right. still created it's, it. it's still kind of matter. funny that when genesis 1 opens there's rock the, like there is a there is there's a planet. something there's something there. so the yeah. earth was formless yeah. and void and it's like the earth <laughs> we started with the earth this is interesting yeah but anyway, uh, it's just those types of things that I don't I don't break fellowship over no, these things. So. Nor should it be. Yeah, and I think it's been used uh, too often as a yeah. as a as a thing that divides tears people us. apart. Yeah. So I think it's safe to say from you know from what I'm hearing tonight is the term end times. I think you said this early on. It is a non biblical term. Yeah. Other than other than I mean they refer to the end of days. Yeah. Um, and saying that oh, and saying here's, that here's we, one. Here's one. What's the day of the Lord? The day of the Lord is referenced all the way through scripture. Yeah. And there are multiple days of the Lord. Some of them are eschatological, like end of times, end of days. Some of them are Jesus's birth. Some of them are, you know, the restoration of the temple. Some of them are the Jews coming back from exile. But there are and there are days of the Lord all throughout scripture. Yeah. And it's not just one, but often when prophets talk about them, they lay one over the top of the other over the top of the other. And they, they talk about a day of the Lord, like it's one thing, but it contains yeah. many different things. It's the continual. What is a day of the Lord? A day of the Lord is when God shows up in a way that we didn't see coming yeah. or that seemed unique to us. Um, and, and I think, um, one other thing that I found very helpful as far as end times, um, and, and where we show up is that uh, C.S. Lewis explains it in Mere Christianity. I've talked about it on the podcast before. God is like an author who sits outside of the book. He speaks into time. Uh, but he is, as, as he's writing this story, and he says, the character of John got up and opened the door. Well, by the time he writes, John got up, and then he could go away, he could take a nap, he could chill for a little <laughs> while, and then gets back and writes, and he opened the door, right? So he has all the time he needs for each and every individual moment, mm -hmm. but he also stands outside of our story. He's outside of time. So the words that he speaks into our story uh, show up in, in for us in a period of time. Yeah. We see things in a period of time. He speaks into, into story, and that's why his words will never pass away. It shows up at different periods of time for us, but for him, it's all right there yeah. in front of him. Yeah. The story is all there. He's had as much time with you as he needs. He can yeah. hear every single one of your prayers and Nate's and mine and everybody else's because he has all the time he needs with us. Cause he's not bound right, by, by any of it. None of this. Yeah. He's none of, and, none of this binds God. And, and so when end times prophecy starts getting into things like, well, you know, then Jesus was rejected by the Jews and he was crucified and God had a problem. He had to come up with this other plan. I'm like, God has no problem. Yeah. He does not have a yeah. problem. Yeah. God has, God sees the beginning. He sees the end and he exists outside of it. God does not have a problem right. that we somehow created. Right. We have several problems. <laughs> more than two problems. <laughs> we have at least yeah. more than two. And again, I, I think there's a clear, uh, you know, uh, when I, when I think end of days, I think 
the ones that began with Jesus leaving the earth and the one that will be completed by his return. And every, again, there are there is detail within that. This was the start. This will be the finish. And that is all there is to it. But your eternal life begins now. Now. For everyone. Right. And whatever you're experiencing now is the beginning of your eternal life. Right. There is, there is nothing that will happen on earth that will be the tipping point or tripping point for Jesus to return. Because Jesus is the point. Jesus is the tipping point and the will of the Father is the tipping point, period. It occurs in heaven. Yes. Everything that we try to do to figure it out, all the things we turn around and the, the Rubik's Cube that we make of Scripture to try to find it out. The point is Jesus. He, he did. He was here. He left. He's coming back. Yeah. That's that's the story. And, that's and what's there. Your eternal life begins now. Your your eternal separation from God or your eternal witness yeah. with God, your eternal existence with him, both start now. Because yeah. God is omnipresent and he desires to be with you. Yeah. He desires to spend eternity with you. Uh, so enter into that today. That's what I would tell right. people. And when we're talking yeah. about end times, things like that, don't don't worry or fear these things. Right. Yeah. Begin your eternal life today. Existence with the Lord does not have to be disjointed. You can you can have an eternal life that begins right now, or uh, experience eternal death that begins now. That kind of thing. And that's the thing is like I have a forward view of my of my of my you know salvation glorification being complete. You know uh, you know when I'm when I'm in heaven or being complete at the resurrection or being complete at the return of Christ. But I don't I don't disparage my life that I have. Because of that, I love my life. I enjoy being alive. I enjoy my wife. I enjoy my children. I enjoy my church family. I love getting to go outside when the seasons change and just get to glory in the moment of, oh my goodness, it's snowing or the sun is shining on my face. Like I, I enjoy these things and I enjoy them because of what I've experienced in Christ in an intense way that maybe not everybody does. But I'm not just going to look and say, oh, man, if I could just be with Jesus or if the Lord would just return so I don't have to deal with this crappy thing or if I don't like, no, like I, I am, I am present with Christ now in the same way that I will be present with him then. That's why I will be more aware of who he is then, but I'm present with him now and he's present with me now. And so this idea of like, oh, if I can just make it to glory, I'm like, no, I am existing there now. I am, I am being glorified i am being transformed i am being changed from glory to glory right now and yes there will be an ultimate transition like you're talking about but again we get new bodies yeah today is the day of salvation now is the moment of the lord as you were saying now is the day of the lord and i am going to participate in that now like that is what i am choosing to see that is what i'm consuming my life with everything else again is just detail and when is the best time to be saved the bible says wow it is called today today that's right wow you can say today that's the best time. Yes. Yes. But good stuff, guys. <laughs> <laughs> was there anything else that you, was, you have a lot of notes and we didn't even get into that very far. Uh, you did. You, <laughs> you, you said enough that I didn't have to go into the notes. So. No, I was, was really <laughs> scared by the level oh, of yeah. notes. I was like, Scott yeah. has come prepared yeah. and we barely let you talk. <laughs> These are other notes. Yeah. yeah. But no, no, no. It was just... Um, I, I loved the way this dialogue went because, and, and honestly, you know, when, when you invited me, I wasn't sure what, uh, you know, where it would go or, you know, what the format was going to be. And, you know, if you guys were interviewing me and we were getting into a debate, but it, it, it kind of ended up honestly, what, what I hoped it would be where I'm just somebody with 
a lot of questions yeah. and a lot of information. And to be able to sit down and discuss it like this is so helpful for somebody like me, yeah. who is honestly, I'm, I'm learning. Yeah. I'm, I'm learning so much as this is new to me. For sure. You know, I haven't spent my entire life studying this. Yeah. You know, it's new. How, how recent are you in your faith when you came to know the Lord? How recent has that been for you? Well, I'll say this. Um, I'm 64. Uh, I've known about Jesus my entire life, but I didn't get to know him until eight years ago. Mm. Wow. That's eight amazing. Years, yeah, eight years ago. And I uh, had never read the Bible, unt- honestly, until eight years ago yeah, is when yeah. I really started to just read the Bible. Mm-hmm. I'd never read it. Knew all about it. Just never read it. Yeah. So that's why so much of this is new to me. And it just, it fascinates me. Yeah. It just, it blows me away. And I love it. I love to go deep. Yeah. I right. love to research. And I just, I like to have questions. Yeah. I form opinions and I want to understand, am I, am I on the right track? Because I will share these opinions with somebody else. Yeah. And I want to make sure that, you know, what I'm saying, how I'm saying it, how I'm sharing it, is accurate. That's yeah, that's right. really important. I don't yeah. want to mislead for sure somebody. So right. this has been just for me personally. This is amazing. Yeah. So. I I want to. Com- I'm doing this on the wrong end of the podcast, but I want to commend you to our audience. And like you have for for not being that you're fairly new in your in your walk with the Lord, but you are so passionate about telling people about the Lord yeah. and and what you've found and the life that He is that he is just growing in you at such a quick rate. Yeah. I, I just want to applaud the Lord and what he's doing in your life 100%. and and applaud how you are stewarding that yeah. in our church and with your family and just the legacy that you're going to leave is way different than it was eight years yeah. ago. Uh, thank you. That and, means and coming so from you, that means a lot. Thank you. Appreciate <laughs> yeah. it. And you stole my thunder because I was basically yeah. going to say the exact same thing. I just, I, we had you on here because of our respect for you. Yeah. Like hundred uh, percent. We wouldn't necessarily just have any, well, we would just have, <laughs> we'd have just about anybody on We've here. We've had Nelson on here. Yeah. <laughs> the bar is pretty low. No, I'm kidding. Nelson, we, we love, love you, Nelson. Um, and, and, uh, but, it was because of our respect for you and, and, and I wouldn't discuss this with, you know, just anyone because if they got offended and left the table, then that would be yeah. <laughs> as soon as I said, I don't believe in a secret rapture of the saints, then they then they run away screaming <laughs> <laughs> Antichrist. <laughs> but no, I'm, I, and, and again, I mean, just, just to, to speak to that, I mean, the, the, the level that you reflect Jesus at right. has been an inspiration to me. Yeah. Um, and again, not even knowing that you've only been really seriously walking for eight years. Um, you know, I, I've just, I've watched the way that you have honored the gospel and, and, and I, I, I don't know a better word than that, that you have honored the gospel and what you've done and, you know, classes you've taught and different things. And like, man, I'm, I'm blown away by it. I'm blown away by it. And so for whatever it's worth, you know, I, eight years in, you know, I consider you one of the lifers that my dad talks about all the time. You know, I've, I've seen a, a, a level of joy, a level of consistency from you, a level of just being Jesus that that is rare. Uh, thank That's you so much. That's more rare than it's, it should be. And so for whatever it's worth, man. It's worth a coming lot. Coming from me, I, I, man, it is an honor to get to sit across from the table from you. It is an honor to get to 
do church with you, to be a part of the body with you, to have you in a local church with us, uh, the way you and, and your family serve. I mean, man, you guys, you guys all just blow me away. Um, and, and you're one of my favorite people. Oh, I'm just going to say it. You guys sure. are too yeah, cool. Thank you. And <laughs> I mean, if I can be, look, if I can be an example of, you know, what it means when, uh, you know, you open the door and, and let Jesus in. Yeah. Hallelujah. I mean, yeah. that's good stuff. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. 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 I think a lot of Christianity is, is the, uh, the beggar running and telling other beggars where to find food, you yeah. know, like, look what I found. This is yeah. amazing. You yeah. know, I found the thing that, that's, that, that is the hope of all the earth. Yeah. And that's, you've, you've done that well. And I'm, I'm excited about it. Yeah. I'm excited about, uh, continuing to tell people, yeah. Hey, there's hope here. Yeah. And in, in hopeless times yeah, when people don't for have sure. it. Yeah. So amen to that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that's a great place to leave it. I love you guys. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. just hopefully if we've said anything that's got you all, uh, messed up inside and, and you don't know where to turn, send us an email and we'll just, tell you that we love you and we yes. care about you <laughs> but um most of all i don't go breaking fellowship over these things yeah. please and don't go to bed tonight scared yes. uh, just if trust you, in jesus if you come to it and believe that jesus is the point of all of this yeah. again all of the other stuff is just detail and yeah. i will i will gladly sit at a table with you and agree with you because that is the point and that is everything so. amen thank you so much guys for having me it's really so, fun so glad it's so good all right we'll see you guys later Thanks for joining the conversation today. The Things We Say is produced by Nate Ward. Technical direction is provided by Sheldon Stauffer. You can subscribe to The Things We Say on SoundCloud and iTunes. Don't forget to like us on Facebook at The Things We Say Podcast to keep the conversation going. This has been The Things We Say. See you next time.